2: Syracuse eventually showed up in D.C. with under 10 minutes left in the second half to tie the game against Georgetown at the end of regulation, bringing it to overtime where they squeaked out an 86-79 victory over the Hoyas. We'll recap that game for you. Then Syracuse finishes off the last three non-conference games at home in the Carrier Dome, the first of which Tuesday, December 19th at 7 o'clock against Buffalo and Friday, December 22nd at 7 o'clock against St. Bonaventure. We'll turn to Joe. He'll pre- review those games for you. Let's go.
3: Make some
2: noise, Orange fans. It's time for the Cuse Nation Podcast
0: with Sean and Joe. Give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com
2: forward slash Cuse Nation Podcast. All right. What's up, Qs Nation? Thank you for tuning in to episode 44 of the Cuse Nation Podcast. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, and YouTube. I am Sean alongside my good buddy Joe. Joe, hi, buddy. Sean, hello. Hello. So, Syracuse improves to 9-1, ruined Georgetown's previously perfect record at 8-0. The the easiest... uh, um, non-conference schedule in the country, rate three fifty-one out of three fifty-one, and um, they lose their first real test to Syracuse. But they put up a fight. Both teams fought, and by the way, this is episode forty-four, and everybody knows about the the forty-four. So I, I, you know, I scoured YouTube for like a a history of the forty-four for for Syracuse. Then I Googled, and I Googled, and I found, like, I found literature on it, like, written up, like, articles and blogs and stuff, but I didn't find anything on YouTube that was extensive. So, but I found something, and it has to do with, like, the number and the uniforms of the 2014 football team, but anyways, it doesn't matter, because it, it still pertains to today. It's not, like, outdated or anything, but that'll be at the end instead of the regular clothes. I'll, we'll play that at the end. So... Joe Syracuse getting off to an extremely slow start again it's pretty much that's their trademark it seems like with under 10 minutes to play with about 10 minutes to play they're down by 13 they just chipped away methodically chipped away chipped away it always was like no matter how much time was left on the clock you were looking at the score and they, you were saying they're not out of it yet they're not out of it yet and the less time they're, they're got the less the the gap was to getting this game tied up or taking the lead and they actually had a legit shot at the end of regulation to just pull it out with, you know, <laughs> um, no time on the clock. I like, think there was the um, Howard stole the ball and t- broke away for a, for a layup with one minute remaining. And then um, they got the ball back, battle drove in the lane, floated a jumper, that didn't go. Moyer fought for the rebound, um, threw it back out to Howard, took a three pointer, missed that. Seconds 7 seconds left. Uh Brissett grabbed the rebound. He went back up, couldn't couldn't make the shot, and then Georgetown finally gathered the rebound and time ran out. So
4: headed over. So well, then there was a foul.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then we then we had the nerve to call a foul with point, you know, what I mean, if the foul occurred it it occurred with like point 02 seconds left on the clock. You know, and it's like Yeah. And I I don't have a problem I don't have a problem with the officiating being not being black and white. Like I get it. You know, you know, it's all it's kind of to me, it's it's not that it needs to be black and white, I guess is what I'm saying, is that it just needs to be consistent in the game. And you don't you don't call that. You don't call that foul anyway. Unless it's like a blatant elbow or something violent. You don't you don't call that, you know, unless it's really, really, really flagrant. I wouldn't even bother calling that. No. Um, so yeah, we had to go to the replay. If that, game, <laughs> Joe, if yeah, that, we
4: had to sweat that out. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah, did have
2: to sweat that out. If that game ended like that, that would have been an atrocity, man.
4: Yeah.
2: And, and there would have been a freaking uproar. It's all you'd hear about. You wouldn't hear about any of the play. All you would hear about is the end of that game and yeah. it almost happened. And the other, you know, the refs, they decide to, to blow it off. But anyway, um, Joe, give me your, give me your take, dude. First, give me, give me your, what, what is the deal with the slow starts? And I mean, nine points in the first 10 minutes of this game for Syracuse. Um, yeah,
4: and, well, I, I mean, it, it wasn't like Georgetown came out like gangbusters either. So I
2: know, but that's the
4: but thing we though. talked about, can, we talked about it. I feel like every, every game, a team's going to have a feeling out process of play in our two, three zone. And we have to be able to take advantage of that. In the beginning there, the first couple of possessions that look like it, but we just got to get in there and just get easy buckets and, um, a lot of it just has to do with a lot of like a lack of options. If you look at throughout the whole game, really, I mean, there was 45 minutes worth of play, and Brissett played 45 minutes, Battle played 45 minutes, Howard played 44 minutes, and we scored 86 points. But other than those three, our team scored 13 points from 11 shots. So when you look at, you know, where the shots are coming from, I mean. <laughs> There was a lot of, a lot of. I mean, you're looking at 58 shots between Battle Brissett and Howard, yeah, and 11, 11 from the rest of the team. Yeah. So those are our three offensive uh, of players, but we're going to need more than that on most most nights. So <clears throat> what made tonight scarier, yesterday, I should say, scary was that we talked about Georgetown's like easy non-conference schedule, but they never they didn't play anybody good. So really, really, there was the you know, there was a mystery of not knowing yeah. how good they really were. So, and they looked—they looked pretty legit. Cause I didn't think we were playing bad and early, but I mean, we're, we, this whole year we've been a, a second half team, and you could tell that just our defense aggressiveness, um, especially O'Shea uh in the second half they came through. And once, uh, once that um, power forward there for Georgetown, I forget what his name is, um, once he got uh, fouled out with like seven, six or seven minutes left. We started making that comeback, and like you said, just chipped away. Gavin? So,
2: is that Gavin, Gavin, whatever his name is?
4: No, no, Goban. He was Goban. he was in the the whole game. No, oh, it okay. was like Derrickson, Marcus Derrickson, I think it was. Um, but yeah, we just did the we, you know ran the press, and we got some steals. They missed a couple, um, you know, layups or you know some contested shots. They got some easy ones too, but that's what you have to do when you're down that many points. is just speed up the game and hope that they uh make some mistakes and you just gotta score <laughs> so, yeah and we did so it, it was it was pretty good yeah a really good win it, really good win it
2: was a good win and it was an it was um an exciting game i particularly don't like games like that i don't need to be um well get uh, you know,
4: get used to those i
2: know i know There'll right be
4: a lot of those this year i, feel. I know
2: it so um Battle finished with a career high of 29 points. Again, it's like every game is a career high for these two guys. Uh, him and O'Shea Brissett with 25 points for his career high. and 14 rebounds. 14 rebounds, just phenomenal. Um, he scored 24 of his points after halftime. He scored one point in the first half, and this is what he had to say about that.
4: You said you were more aggressive in the second half. Was the first half, was it nerves? Was it not finding your place in the offense? Like, why weren't you as aggressive early on? Um, I wasn't nervous. I tried to treat it like every other game, but they, their game plan was it was kind of weird. I would go set a screen, and the man would stay with me. Mm-hmm. Um, they were boxing me out every time a shot went up. Yeah. You know, they were they were on me, so I just had to just try to find different spots to get open, and um, I was able to do that in the second half.
2: Yeah, and basically he had to adjust to the defense, you know, basically taking care of him for the entire first half. So good on him for coming back after being shut down the first half and scoring 24 points. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So he's
4: been in a shooting streak from the three point line too. He shot four, seven and, um, that allowed him to be a lot more difficult to guard. And, uh, with his size and the way that he can uh, drive and dribble and, and and penetrate with the ball, and if he can shoot threes like that, then he's going to be very difficult to guard. So hopefully, uh, he can keep up the confidence.
2: Yeah, um, between I mean between him and Battle, I mean they're they're just they're just superstars and um, enjoy them while they're here, okay? Mm-hmm. Because uh, if they keep playing like that, I'm afraid it's it's only the matter of saying you know I'm in. And they'll be gone. So, um, the good here's the here's the I'm going to give you the two the good and the bad. The good is that the three ball is you has worked against us every game this year, just about, just about every game. I can't think of a game where it really didn't impact us in a negative way. This game, on the other hand, we outscored Georgetown in threes 30 to six. And Georgetown is a team that can actually. Uh, shoot the three, Joe. They 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 have a couple guys that can go off, as you mentioned last uh, episode. Um, Syracuse was ten of twenty three from the three point line, and that's the obviously that's the best they've done offensively and defensively all year with the three. Um, yeah. Just just putting it away, and in overtime, Battle had two clutch clutch threes within like the first minute. I mean, it was beautiful. Yeah. So and the other thing the one thing that I don't think this is a trend um uh this this next thing I'm about to say coming up but um Sidibe and Chukwu, we, we know Sidibi's not 100 but Chukwu and, and SidB combined for a total of two points and four rebounds combined yeah yeah that can't happen that can't happen nope. and and that's that is their big man being you know he's a big he's a big guy so. Um, you know, I hope that these two don't struggle, uh, when they're really challenged down low like that, they got to find a way to score more and, and grab more rebounds than that. That's just, that's Uh, just,
4: especially rebounds, Sean. Uh, I mean, Chukwa tallest player in Syracuse basketball history plays 24 minutes, and only gets three rebounds.
2: Yeah. And he he missed time to rebound at the end of regulation. Remember Joe? Yes, sir. He jumped way too early for a rebound, that was eventually gathered up by Brissett, right? And then to Frank, I believe so, yeah, yeah, and then to and Frank Howard, and he got blocked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah he's got it. He those are those are things that that's elementary stuff, man. Timing your jumps and stuff. Seven two. Come on, man, you got to grab that. Yeah,
4: it would not yeah, and, and those two points weren't even till that alley oop in overtime.
2: Exactly, and and it wouldn't hurt for for both of those guys to eat some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You know what <laughs> like I'm saying? All, all like all of them. <laughs> exactly. <coughs> so um, all, all in all, I really think it was okay. I mean, I, I wasn't that impressed, but Syracuse did. The, the one thing you could say about Georgetown, and, and you got to give them this, Patrick Ewing had those guys ready for the zone yeah and if and it felt like that that's probably really what they I mean, and I know teams focus on this, but some teams they don't they don't adjust well to it, and Georgetown did like we talked yeah. about them getting off to a slow start as well, so they actually played the two three zone too uh uh Patrick Ewan thinking you know he'd be a little cute and do that. Joe, do you think that when they did that, it seemed to me I felt like Syracuse struggled a little more. Um, they play this zone. They should know this zone a little better. Georgetown played the zone more in this game than they have all season. And they gave us a taste of our own medicine in that sense. And do you think, in your opinion, did this shine more of a spotlight on the Orange's outside shooting being subpar? Let's just say.
4: Well, I think that their 2-3 zone, them playing a 2-3 zone, could have helped, could have been the reason why we actually shot the ball a little bit better from three-point line. I mean... I don't remember every single possession of every of what they played as far as defense goes. I know Georgetown had some guys in foul trouble, so they went from man to zone. Um, otherwise, I don't think they would have done it. Um, but with man to man battle, battle Brissett and Howard, they were tough to guard, and um, they're tough to guard man to man. But the two three zone, uh, I thought that we had got some good three point shots out of that. I thought there was a, some good times uh, when uh, Howard. Drove the middle, penetrated and dumped it off, and Moyer got some easy dunks. So, um, honestly, I think that we just got to get we got to get going early. I think our offense in the, yeah. in the second half was fine. I think uh, once we get speed up the game and, and get it into you know press mode when we're down like that, I mean, I don't think that the defense. I mean, I, I really don't even remember what defense they were playing, but I mean, we were playing so fast and getting up the court, a couple steals and, and stuff like that, to where I mean the defense they're playing really doesn't matter too much. So I don't know. I just thought the way that we were playing um Georgetown's defense at the end of the game really didn't matter. I think that they just got a they got a lead because of like what you said. Patrick Ewing, he had them ready to play, physical defense, like uh what else shaver said. I mean, you you saw it, I mean, they were disciplined and they got bodies, you know, and box outs um all all game. You know, they we could have out rebounded them a lot more, so um, I'm just disappointed in the starts, really. You, you yeah, can't let a team get up like that. And yeah. Like like you said, Georgetown. They did. Um. They did play the zone very well, but again, like the three point shooting was 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 I think the uh, the difference.
2: Oh, so. it, it definitely was, and you know, Syracuse lost the rebound battle in the first half, twenty one to eighteen, but they came back actually to to stay on top once again uh, yep. of their opponent at the end of the game forty four to thirty seven when all was said and done, so um they yeah. finished with fourteen you know to get that lead and you talked about the press in at first their our press they were beaten they beat our press g- good a couple times they really yeah. they went they went down and that's expected. But they played, we played that press, Beheim played that press for a really long time. And that usually only works for a couple minutes. This time it seemed like it took a couple minutes for it to actually take effect. And then once it did, they got a couple turnovers, they got a couple fast breaks, you know, they were just yeah. confusing things a little bit, and it actually, you know, was kind of like the reverse of what you're used to seeing. And that's what brought them back in the game. Um, yeah.
4: Well, you saw they just, they started getting, playing tight. When you yeah. have a lead, you're not playing tight. You know, then all of a sudden your second best rebounder your power forward fouls out and then your lead goes you know from 13 to 10 10 to 7 and then all of a sudden we hit one big 3 and the next thing you know you know it's a completely different game now they're playing tight they made a couple mistakes so
2: yeah the um the, the unsung hero in some of this we we talked about Frank Howard getting that steal in the fast break um i think that was to tie the game actually yes the layup it was. yeah um, which was phenomenal. And you know, he deserves a lot of credit for that. But um Merrick, he also he also had a couple key rebounds. He's just in the right spot at the right time. Seems like more often than not, he's right where he needs to be. And he took a nasty spill. Ugh. And um it didn't look it didn't look good. To me, I thought that he was probably gonna be out for that game. And the way he landed. And I I didn't know whether to be worried about his shoulder or collarbone or his or his head. I mean the dude, yeah. it's that's those are the only things that hit the floor. So um he's no, just no, it looked
4: like he broke the whole right side of his body.
2: <laughs> I know, right? He didn't have anything break his fall. And he's just he's just a scra- he's the scrappy, energetic, disruptive type that you got you gotta have one of those on your team. And he he's in the right right spot, it seems like all the time. And the little things, Joe. The little things he does, in the end, makes a big difference. And yep. he, he's great. I love him. He's fantastic. Yeah. So big,
4: huge key contributor. Yeah. All in all, it's, all in all, it's a good win. I mean, last uh, last couple of years, we've been getting hurt with uh, our non conference and the games that we've lost and stuff like that. So that was probably one of our only true. Um, road games because the UConn game and even if we would have beat Kansas neutral those are two neutral yeah. yeah so um just to have an actual true road game and, and beat a team that was 8-0 and now they're 8-1 they only they went 14 and 18 last year so I can't really see them being worse than last year so I think they are be- not behind uh, Patrick Ewing's got him got Georgetown going in the right direction yeah. and hopefully like- hopefully they can go out there and, and be a tournament team and make it look like a good road win yeah,
2: no doubt. And um, credit to being as far removed from actual Big East rival- rivalry as we are, the crowd, um, very disruptive, very loud. And I don't care who you are, you know, Coach, I think Coach Beheim said in his press conference, you know, the crowd is a crowd, but, you know, you got to work. Yeah, you got to you got to play. You got to put it out of your mind. You got to put it out of your head. But it's it's hard. That crowd was loud. And that crowd yeah. was they were they were energetic. Um and they were on their feet almost the whole time. That's tough to play in an environment like that. And Syracuse came back from thirteen down and to to tie it going into overtime and win the game. So
4: Yeah. It's a big I mean, big it, it, a lot. it made my afternoon, man. Oh, I mean, especially yes. being on like CBS, you know, with that uh the DNCA like music, you know, their DNCA oh, basketball yeah. music's like the March Madness music. So I mean every time they went to commercial or came back, it's like it's got that thing in your it's, head. I mean, it made just the music of the C V S made it seem like it was a more important game that really was. And plus being Georgetown, being down, then coming back, going into overtime winning. I mean, it's just a, a great game. And as bad as we started, I mean, we didn't give up and we, we finished. So it, you know. Yeah. Nine I mean, and one, nine and one in non conference. We got a, a decent road game, a win against UConn of Maryland, no bad losses, only lost against a top ten team in Kansas. So as long as we, uh, knock on wood, uh, don't lose any of our last three games against these uh, opponents, non-conference opponents, then, um, you know, should be 12 and one going into ACC play. So.
2: Yeah. It's not looking too bad. So give me, Joe, give me your grade. Give me your grade to wrap up Georgetown. Give me your grade for Saturday afternoon's game.
4: Um, all, all, all in all, overall, I think it's hard to give them an A, but, um,
2: Oh, it's very hard. I would say.
4: <laughs> I would say for the f- first thirty minutes of the game, it was about a C. And mm-hmm. about the last fifteen minutes, it was about a A minus. That's what I'll give it. Okay. I can't give it. I can't give the whole All game right. one grade. I can't do I, it. You can't
2: do it, huh? Well, no, because I can, we came back from
4: thirteen. We won in overtime. I mean, the resiliency that you, we showed. It's it's very hard to be unbiased and give them an overall grade. So.
2: I know. You I look like you. two different teams
4: in two different halves. Really, I know, so. but that's
2: that's I hate that. I hate that. That's one thing yeah. that's just like our staple sometimes. And it, it, football, too, has done it. Football did, dude. Disappear. There's a reason
4: we're nicknamed the cardiac cues for a reason. <laughs>
2: I, I know, but geez, it doesn't matter who's on the team or or any of that. Nope, it's just, it's just how nope. it is. Um, Game flow, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right, Joe. Who we got? Buffalo coming in first. We're going to give you, we're going to preview. Um,
4: the Buffalo Bills.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> Buffalo Bills on a tear right now, by the way. I uh,
4: know. in the playoffs right now. It's crazy.
2: I know. Um, so they got the tiebreaker with Baltimore right now, I think. Because Baltimore yeah. today. Um, today. Buffalo's coming into the Dome. We got three games left before conference play. Conference play opens up against Virginia Tech. In the Dome. I wish I could get to that game. That would be awesome. Being living in Virginia now, that would be awesome. Um, but they open up conference play against Virginia Tech in the Dome. But we got three more non conference games first. The first of which um, is Buffalo Joe. Give me the breakdown. Give me the Buffalo breakdown.
4: The Buffalo breakdown? Yeah, give
2: it to me. Now, well, now- they are. Um- <laughs>
4: yeah. Hello. Hello. Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> Uh, no, they're a uh, Buffalo team out of the Mac. Um, they're seven and three this year and uh, haven't really given too many um, shout outs to, to Ken Pomeroy. Uh, KB. Yep, checked him up today. And um, right now he's got us at 52. Um, and he's got Buffalo at 127. Um, there are three losses they came to. Um, they lost a game to South Dakota State by a pretty good margin. I've actually seen them play in... I'm kind of going to be willing to bet that come March Madness, you're going to be hearing something about South Dakota State and being a, a Cinderella as far as possible uh, bracket buster. But um, they also lost a game to uh, at Cincinnati by six, and they lost a game to St. Bonaventure um, by 11. Uh, their best win right now is a game versus UAB. Um, but other than that, they've just been playing teams um, around, you know, the metropolitan new york area (laughs) so (laughs) yeah right it's yeah it hasn't been too impressive you know teams from the northeast and stuff like that so they don't have a key key winner or anything like that but um they do play they like to play really really fast and um they start four guards and a forward nick perkins six eight uh junior most of them five out of the six guys uh, average double figures are juniors so they don't really have the height that uh, you would see, but they do have a 6'10 forward that comes off the bench, Kenneth uh, smart, which I really wouldn't be surprised if he started against us because of the length. But they do like to get out and run, like I said again, because of the, the guards uh, that they feature. Uh, their best player, C.J. Massenburg, uh, 6'3 uh, junior uh, guard, 20 points, uh, 8 rebounds that he averages per game. So they, for their league, I think that they um, are going to be pretty good. But as far as... Competing against us, I just don't really see it. Like I said, they lost to St. Bonaventure by 11, who's going to be our next opponent. And, um, I mean, losing at Cincinnati by six isn't awful. But with our – I mean, they do have some guys that can shoot some threes. But, like again, like I said, they like to to play fast. So I don't really know. It all really would depend on how patient they can be. Because if they're they're just going to run up and down the court with our length, with our two-three zone, and just take quick shots, it's probably not going to work out too well for them. So, Um, But from what I've seen – they, What's that?
2: They, I'm sorry. They they were they're not going to be able to do that. I don't think.
4: No, no, I don't think so either. Like again, I, I know they got some guys that can shoot. Um, you know, it is Division One basketball, but um, just based upon their the game flow that their team has and and you know the philosophy of going, 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 um, it just doesn't bode well for uh, for them against us and our defense and height. Um, it could against other teams and. Um, power five teams in in division one. But with us, I I think they're going to have a really hard time unless they find some patience, uh, limit the turnovers and they move the ball around and they actually can, you know, shoot some threes and really, really beat us with the threes. Then I don't, I see it being rather close early based upon how we've been playing in the first half, but I can see us pulling away and get a a pretty easy double digit win by the end of it. So that's kind of what I'm looking for at home at home Tuesday, yeah. So, you just don't want to let down after what happened on Saturday and Buffalo did have, did play a game on Saturday as well. So, they um they don't have any extra rest or anything like that. So,
2: do you sit Sadibi for Buffalo? Uh,
4: I mean
2: I mean he's not I, I would I would moving if you, well.
4: I would if you could.
2: You would. Okay.
4: Yeah. I mean play play Chukwa and if Moyer's doing good and everything's going well,
2: American there.
4: send Merrick in there, play him in the middle. And then if stuff starts getting out of control, if they're you know, smart on their other team, um, 6'10", coming off the bench, if he comes in and he starts wrecking some havoc uh, against Doge, then maybe you have to get Sidibe in there. But just like this past week, I mean, I know he had a lot of fouls, but a lot of it was because how he's moving, too. He only played 11 minutes, and I'd probably look for him to play probably less than
2: that. Um, yeah, Chuku on the fouls, he needs to chill. He needs to chill. Some of them are really just stupid fouls. Well, yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, he's a big dude and I get it. And he's lengthy and and he gets his, he can get his arms into things, but he's got to fix that.
4: Um, Yeah, he still looks like he's trying to get some of that coordination down.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. It's like a, it's like a newborn horse. Um, All right, Joe, give me, give me, uh, the, the, the Bonaventure. Preview, St. Bonaventure coming to the dome on Friday. Both of these games are at 7 o'clock, by the way. Give me what to look for for St. Bonaventure.
4: St. Bonaventure, same thing. When I was looking at uh, Ken Palm, I looked at, and uh, they have, he has them at uh, 67. Um, so they're a little bit more formidable team. They play in the Atlantic 10, who uh, annually gets three to five teams in the NCAA tournament. So it is a uh, competitive league. Um, Right now, St. Bonaventure sits at 8-2. and two. Their only loss is first game of the season um, versus Niagara by two points and then a loss uh, to TCU by 10. And, uh, and TCU's, I believe, currently a ranked team. So, uh, again, St. Bonaventure is on one of those. And they don't have a good win either. They're, a lot of their wins are you know the Canisius and um, Vermont-type you know type games. And... Um, so, again, St. Bonaventure is one of those teams because they did kind of come into this season. They have uh, three senior guards that start, and um, they've came into the season is kind of like, you know, a decent team that's supposed to finish pretty pretty well in the, same, um, in the A-10. So it's one of those teams where we just don't know how good they are because, like, again, TCU is a good team in Niagara. Um, Niagara, the first game of the season, you never really know what happened with that, but um, – yeah, it's it's, it's one it's, of those games it, that's pretty it's
2: one of these typical
4: This is like the last game. In my opinion, this is like the last. This is this one the one game like that Toledo. could
2: it's like Toledo. Like we didn't really know what to think about Toledo because they're pretty decent and you know Yes.
4: I, I understand where you're you're coming with that, but Toledo, they play in the Mac along with um Buffalo and the same as Eastern Michigan, who's yeah, gonna be true. our last non conference opponent in the Mac. Usually, I mean, I don't know. I couldn't even tell you. It might have happened, but I don't know if it's ever happened to where the Mac's gotten any more than one team. Maybe a couple of times they've gotten an at-large bid, but they're one of those conferences where they're they're considered a little bit lower than the A10. And and like again, I said, it's, it's A10 usually gets three to five teams out of their conference. So, um, again, Saint Bonaventure is just in a better league. They do have better talent. They have again, like I said, three uh, senior guards. Um. Two of which, uh, the starting point guard, I believe, six-two uh, senior guard Jalen Adams averages 18 points a game as long as as long uh, along with Matt Mobley, who is a uh, senior guard that averages 18 points. So um, they have a good backcourt, and again, you know how that goes with playing against two three zone. So the only thing that I'm kind of I don't want to say. It makes me a little bit more reassured but again they kind of have a similar height to um buffalo and they do play a, a three yard set uh they the, the tallest guy that they started in recent games was six eight just like buffalo but they do have a guy that comes off the bench that's six ten um so how they use their height against us compared to other teams they played don't know um another thing though that's that's uh Kind of on my radar is that they they play Northeastern on Wednesday, so we play a game on Tuesday. They have a game on Wednesday.
2: They got to wake up and turn around, and they're coming. They're playing an away then,
4: game, right? Although you know, Saint Bonaventure is in New York, so it's not like it's a, like a long trip, but still. Um, nonetheless, they're going to have Syracuse going to have one more day rest, and um, again, I just think this is a game that just comes down to the three-point shooting, and I think that with the backcourt they have and the fact that they have more talented guards and it's a more talented team overall, they could have the patience to pass the ball around and come down, and I think it just comes down to three-point shooting again as far as St. Bonner Adventure is concerned. I mean, if we play our defense and we can score consistently, then we'll be okay. But that's, if there's a game left in our non-conference that I'm worried about that could come back to bite us, would probably be that game. So...
2: Oh, okay. You're putting a little doubt in us. Look,
4: well, they're a good team, man. They yeah. got good guards. And again, I mean, well, that, even, after, even, even after the Northeastern game on Wednesday, it's really not going to tell you too much. They just haven't played. TCU is a top 25 team. So other than that, everybody else they've played has kind of just been a, low, a lower team. So, well, yeah. And then, of course, with Buffalo and with St. Bonaventure, both, they have that whole, you know, in-state rivalry type thing, you know. The smaller schools, other than SU in the state, always want to beat them. You know, it's like the the little brother, big brother thing. So.
2: Right, yeah. So, it should be interesting, but and in, we're previewing previewing two two games at once because it's too quick of a turnaround. Yeah. So, um, we'll be back after Saint Bonaventure, and we'll talk about we'll talk about those games uh Buffalo and St. Bonaventure and then we'll preview um Eastern Michigan. Or yeah. East e- East Michigan, Eastern Michigan.
4: Yeah, it's Eastern Michigan, yeah. yeah. Like I, I mean if I had to to pick both games, I'd say that we win both. Um I think Buffalo should should be a rather easy win, but um St. Bonaventure can be an nail biter can be a scary one. Could bring the Cardi cues back to their feet, but uh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I had to guess, after next Friday night, we'll be uh, eleven and one, and um, we'll be able to podcast and talk about the next game and, and figure out where we stand with the other ACC teams and if we'll even be close to being ranked at that point. So,
2: yeah, it will. It will, we will see. We will know a lot more by then in another week. Um, all right. Well, hey, look. We got this little – this is just about a minute long on um, a quick little clip on some of the, the 44 and the number um, and having to do with the the uniforms starting in 2014. So we'll be back here after, after St. Bonaventure. Uh, for Joe, I'm Sean. We're out. Peace.
3: You won't find a college of numerology at Syracuse. But you will find a magic number. It's the number worn by Jim Brown, Floyd Little, and Ernie Davis, all of whom went on to earn All-American honors. And it's a number that comes with a legend. If you think the legend of 44 is just a myth, well, consider that the university changed its zip code and phone exchange just to incorporate back-to-back fours. And you'll find tributes to that storied palindrome all over Syracuse's new uniforms. Starting at the yoke, where a military style insignia bears the iconic number. Right below that, you'll see a pattern on the numbers. Believe it or not, those lines are pitched at a 44 degree angle. And it's a pattern mimicked on the shoulders and pants as well. There are other tributes on this year's digs, like elongated numbers meant to mimic the New York skyline or mantras hidden beneath the jersey. But it's the magic number that's front and center on these legendary uniforms.
5: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. indeed.com slash match terms and conditions
3: apply need to hire
5: you need indeed
3: the nba finals are heating up looking for hot takes on all the postseason action the old man in the three presented by bmw is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage host and former nba sharpshooter jj reddick not only has a plugged in perspective on the action from his time in the league but he's also announcing the games in real time for espn